This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt explores our very real service to Christ in our submission to others as part of our spiritual growth and our witness to the world around us. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here once again with Thad Keenel, and we are presenting the Planted Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're doing our current uh, season on spiritual formation, and we've had some good conversations and even had some interviews, and we might even be able to squeak out another one. We're, we're hoping for it. There's a chance. So, we're moving a little bit closer. Yeah. The evasion is slowly degraded. <laughs> right. So, so um, but the last couple podcasts, we've, we've spent time talking about suffering and the role of suffering in our spiritual formation, how God uses that to conform us to the image of Christ. And I have to say it's, you know, as we have been doing that, even as I've listened to portions of what we talked about, I get uncomfortable. I, it's not a, a pleasant thing necessary to think about, even though we know God's using it for good. And, but I'm just, maybe it's because I'm just convicted that I find myself, I think, as I mentioned in the last podcast, trying as much as possible to surround myself with things that make me not have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, um, that's our human nature, right? right? Exactly. But, but being able to lean into this a little bit. And so as we, as we go there, and really today, I think we're going to be leaning more talking into getting into the topic of submission and how in our, in, as we learn to submit to the Lord, that helps in our spiritual formation as well. But to lead into that, I, I want to just look again uh, at the beginning of 1 Peter, because I think we're going to be spending time in 1 Peter. And really, 1 Peter is written to a people who are suffering. I mean, it's very right. much the address. He's writing to congregations in Asia Minor that are going through trials. And uh, I was doing a little bit of reading of church history today and trying to figure out what's going on, because even uh, some commentators and, and theologians debate a little bit in terms of, was this written during the time of Nero mm. and, and that persecution, or was it later? And then some of the people are later even trying to, like, as a lot of you know liberal critics are trying to do, like, say, oh, Peter didn't write this, somebody sure. else did, all that all kind right. of stuff. But, but the, really, the, the discussion became how much of the Roman world and things when Christians were persecuted, how much of it was like just like a dictate from above and it just fl- filtered into all the areas and how much of it was regional. They don't know for sure. And even sometimes the even the persecution that was happening, you know, maybe w- there were other, what are the motives? And often the, the motives that come in was a desire to worship Caesar as Lord and then all, and then uh, the other small G gods that go along with that. So it's really your Christians were sometimes called atheists because they didn't believe in the gods right. and they wouldn't worship the gods and attend the feasts. And so as a result of that, sometimes they were just social outcasts because they didn't go to all the parties because the parties were being held at temples where sacrifices were being made to other gods. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's part of the history is the whole concept of Curios Christus, right? right? Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is is Lord, is or King, or or Kaiser, or Caesar. Yeah, all of those titles remain the same. Um, is if if he doesn't agree that Caesar, right. you know, Nero yeah. is is King or Lord, then it's a treasonous act. Right, and the more public the Christians became with this. It was actually it had to be kind of a mandate for for Rome to do that. I mean, it was Pax Romana right. for a while, the peace of Rome, because everybody gets along as long as <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I was even reading like the uh, story of Polycarp, one of the first martyred for their mm-hmm. faith, who stood up, who was a the bishop or you know pa- lead pastor of Smyrna, who was a disciple of John, uh, the apostle John, and took over kind of for him, and he was a revered. Person and this was like he was eighty five years old. He'd been he was like the teacher of Asia was mm-hmm. one of his titles, right. and and uh, he was brought before. And they really they didn't their desire was not necessarily to kill him. It was it, but it, what they were trying to do was get him to 
to deny the faith or or not in, in the sense of its ultimate. He wouldn't have to say they have to say Jesus isn't Lord as long as he would say Caesar's Lord. Right. Right. And, and so just interesting if you ever, you know, read some church history about Polycarp and Justin Martyr or some of those, uh, you know, early uh, saints and what was going on uh, with them. But as it relates to uh, back to Peter and his time, it was, you know, some of the other persecution would even be economic because, you know, maybe you were a tradesman who were, who you say, I'm not going to build the temple for somebody else, or I'm not going to, or because you wouldn't participate in some of the guilds because they also included worship of false gods, it would mean then that it, would, it affected your income right. and your ability to get work. So all those things. Mm-hmm. And so we see in various levels, I bring those various realms up because I think to a certain degree, I have trouble relating to those times because I don't have a Nero telling me that I'm supposed to worship him, you know. But at the same time, we do have some of those same pressures and those same kind of sufferings we do get from society where we're told we can't believe what we want to believe anymore or we won't get a job because we're a Christian or things like that. Those are very real things that are starting to take place in America right Right. now, right? And so um, it's starting to ramp up more and more uh, against the, the Christ follower and if you're not inclusive in your language and whatnot, all of a sudden these become um, illegal acts. And so we're not far off. We're maybe only a, a degree or two away from maybe seeing more persecution like right. this take place in the United States. It's been it's been a little bit mild right now, and but it, like you said, it's been there. there there right. has been real changes in people's lives because they've lost jobs because yeah. of these things right. or even put behind bars because they spoke out against right. it. So, yeah. And while, and while we can say that's not good for society and we should say it's not good for society, I think we can say that biblically it can be good for Christians to have to face these things. Well, the Lord tells us, you know, that the world is going to hate you because it hates right. me. Right. And so that's a that's a good thing when we're following the Lord, if we're being persecuted for it, that's just glorifying to God. And this comes right on the heels of what we were talking about uh, when it comes to uh, suffering that we've been talking about, that suffering. Sometimes we talk about when we're sick, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm I'm suffering, but really the the suffering that we are talking about is suffering from an outside influence. Exactly. And so how does Peter put it? So I'm just going to read the opening of of first Peter here, starting in verse three, because this is how he puts it. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, that's our salvation in Christ right there. Mm-hmm. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's the salvation that is yet to come. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That are being guarded, that's that ongoing process right now looking forward into the future. And then he says in verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than the gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we've referenced this before, this refining fire. Mm -hmm. You've talked about it, and the gold is refined. So the comparison is that our... Faith is being refined just as gold is refined. The impurity is being taken away, and that's what's good for us. What's good for us is that when we're tested in this way, we see that the true faith comes through and we hold to that, okay? That's how we can view this as good, not that we're sadists or masochists or not that we think this is even good for society, but we can say, oh, this refining is good for us. It's good for my spiritual formation, so that's all in the background of what's going on here in Peter. As he continues to discuss this, he even brings up again suffering some more in chapter 2, and, and, and we'll start to then relate into, even as he talks about submitting to authorities and other things. And so as we look at this, really, I think in some ways today, we're, we're starting to apply this spiritual formation even more. And, and what, is, what can suffering look like as it relates to really being willing to submit to God, no matter what he asks of us. Right. So from there, uh, Thad, tell me, you know, some of your thoughts as you've been doing some study on this and thinking about this, leading us into these other parts of Peter. Yeah. Well, you started great because chapter one is um, something that you had referenced in our earlier discussions. And so I'm glad that you started off uh, with that as an intro, because it is all, I mean, when you look at that, those first few verses and one there, it 
describes perfectly the sovereignty of God and salvation, mm-hmm. right? That's very important to us when we're talking about our theology and the doctrines of grace. And therefore, if Christ saves us completely, first he changes our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that comes through the hearing of the word, and then the promise is to keep us, right? Then any other thing that's included with these words, such as suffering and the requirement to submit to authorities, you know, primarily God, of course, he's our first and foremost submission point, should be equally received. So by this time, after we've had enough of these discussions um, um, for the past couple of shows here, our burden to to try to resist that this is part of Christ's plan should be dissipated now, right? We've talked, I mean, yeah, in an intellectual sense. <laughs> right. It's got to get those, what do they get, the six inches or whatever that is from the head down to the heart, right? You know, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but the idea is that it's important to keep, you know, when we're going through struggles, our natural man wants to rage out against the that machine, yeah. right? Or against those things that are happening to us. But our spirit should be testifying within us mm-hmm. that this is this is of God. Right. And what can we do in this moment to, to glorify God? And yeah, we're going to fall short at times. But like we said before, the, the more that we can keep our focus on God, the more gracious we can begin, the more forbearing, the more accepting of others shortcomings around us which is important to the body right. of believers right and so you know if we're going to love god and love those around us then we should be shining the, the humility of christ through that so i said all that to say as we go into chapter two now of first peter listen to how it begins it says therefore laying aside all malice all deceit hypocrisy envy and all evil speaking as newborn babes Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Mm. Wow. These are all negative characteristics of of our humanness, our, our, our malice, our deceit. This is from the New King James Version, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now it's saying, since we've been born again as, as babes in Christ, how does a baby grow? Well, it needs sustenance, and that sustenance is is milk, you know, in nature. And it's also the pure milk of the word here, which is what? It's the simplicity of the gospel. Maybe not necessarily the tougher doctrines, right? But the simple doctrines of grace that Jesus Christ has um, lived a sinless life, that he fulfilled the law, that he died, that he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering death on our behalf, paying the price for our sins, and then has taken his seat which um, you say that's, we call that his session, right? Yeah, his, yeah. Um, Which is literally a reality that Christ is now presently on his throne. And what is he ruling over? Well, all the earth, but primarily the subjects that belong to him. Right. That's us. That's right. That's us. So what does a king expect of his, of his people? Right. To serve, yeah. to serve and to submit to his authority. Exactly. And so this is really... Uh, where and those, we and those subjects that aren't submitting to his authority, those who aren't his subjects because they haven't bowed the knee to him, are being ruled. They just don't know it yet. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> and their knee sooner or later is going to bow. Right. 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 We're, we're all going to recognize him. I'd rather recognize him in this life here yeah. and now um, because he's so gracious. Yes. You know, so we want to take... You know, we sometimes use slave language or bond servant language. Right. Well, first of all, let's consider who our master is. Right. You know, the one that loved us all the, all the way yeah. to the cross. It's and it is that trust that I think when it comes to submission, we you know, there's a part of us that always want to, wants to rebel in that submission. But if we're able to focus on the goodness of the one that we're submitting to, then there that should raise the level of trust and willingness. Mm-hmm. It makes me even think about the same thing with the word of God, because part of that submission is to submit to his, the word that he's given us. And here, the, he describes this as the pure spiritual milk of the word. And so we have to submit ourselves to that, our thoughts, our minds, our desires to that. But it's interesting that the Lexham English Bible calls it, um, like newborn infants long for the unadulterated spiritual mm. milk. And I like that because in, in the word, um, 
adalas uh, is pertaining to being pure with the implication of not being adulterated in the sense that you can take something that is pure and you can add something to it, right? And then you've adulterated. You, you, you know, it's not pure anymore. Right. Uh, and I think at times we, that's always a caution of our faith is that we, even if you look at Christian religion over the years and, and, it's, and the um, heretical positions of it, uh, over the years that have formed, it's always taking that pure gospel and wanting to add a little bit to it. Uh, well, it's the gospel plus this thing, or it's the gospel has to look exactly like this in 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 our setting or whatever. And then we start to question other people, and we start to adulterate it right. <laughs> in some way. Yeah. And and so, um, but when it's unadulterated, if it's pure, it's more trustworthy. And I think that is that issue of, of trust as it relates to submission that comes here. And so he's talking about, you know, feeding on that uh, and and to, to be able to do what helps us, because uh, that's what is helping us rid ourselves of the things that adulterate our souls. Mm, right. <laughs> the malice and the deceit and the hypocrisy and envy and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm sorry for that little excursus, but I just really thought that was an interesting uh, translation there. Um, and so keep going. Yeah, no, it, it adds a lot. So now as we move into verse four, and we're not going to go verse by verse through this, but just to ramp up to our topic of submitting, it says in verse four, coming to him as a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So first of all, we're talking about Christ here coming to him. That's Christ. Christ is the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now it says, you also as living stones. Oh, this is interesting, right? Because it's talking about Christ as the living stone. Now it's saying you also, that's the church, also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, this is some of the stuff that we've been talking about before as now we are considered priests of the king. Right, exactly. You know, so we have this, um, first of all, tagline of being living stones with Christ. But what do we have? We have chief, the chief cornerstone being Jesus Christ, yes. right? But what was what was it that Jesus talked about to Peter specifically when he said, Peter, you're the rock, right? But then he says, on this rock, the rock of your truth that you just spoke in, that, you are, that I am the Messiah, I will build my church, what do you build the church on? Foundation stones. Jesus right. Christ is the chief cornerstone. And us as living stones are that church. Oh, this is a very spiritual look at how the church builds upon those believers that go before us. And right. this this all this will correlate to the Hebrews stuff that we talked about with the the halls of faith, so right. to speak, right? Yeah. That confession that 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 Peter makes is the gospel itself. And which is Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. So it, it is Jesus, the foundation, which the good news is that he is the reigning king who's defeated sin, death, and evil through the cross and resurrection. And so we as living stones who are made alive by our confession of that, um, the spirit bringing that to life in us, that we then start to participate in that. And so but that participation and that in the construction is still in a uh, is is by an acknowledgement that we're submitting to the chief the chief cornerstone. Whereas, <laughs> or to put it in Hebrews twelve terms, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? And so we we look to him, and when we look to him, we do it uh, with an attitude of submission. Yeah, absolutely. And then a second part of this that sticks with the idea of being stones and living stones is something that takes place um, in the early chapters of the gospel of, of Matthew and in Luke, but in Matthew. So when John the Baptist um, is, this is at the baptism of Christ, when he sees the Pharisees and Sadducees in verse seven coming to the baptism, he says to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. So this is John speaking out against these Pharisees, which is interesting that he must be spirit prompted to talk against these guys. Right. Right. And then he says, therefore uh, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Oh, interesting. 
For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. That's that's interesting. <laughs> what is he saying there? I mean, he's is he talking about the actual stones that are laying on the ground? It, it sure sounds like that's what he's referring to. And what does that refer to? Well, that's an impossibility. That would take a miracle to change right. a, a stone into a child of Abraham, right? Um, and this is what the Sadducees and Pharisees were bragging about or boasting in is the fact that they were part of a bloodline, right? Mm-hmm. Well, later on, we see that when Jesus does his triumphal entry, the people are saying, Hosanna in the highest. And what do the Pharisees say? The Jews all say, shut your servant's mouth. And Jesus says, well, if they shut their mouths, the very stones will cry out. Listen to the analogy between these three passages of the miracle of stones becoming alive. Right. Right. And of course, this is speaking of our hearts in one sense too, right? We had, we had hearts of stone and now they're hearts of flesh. And uh, so what are your thoughts on that? No, it's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't necessarily made that connection from the Peter passage back to those other two, but I, I think it is interesting to consider that notion because we like to debate, and this even goes you know back a little bit to our season three reform theology stuff. But we like to debate the whole idea of our will versus God's will, and and all of that. Did I, you know, can I choose or, or not choose? And and where I've always tried to communicate is that I, I I believe I make a real choice, but I wasn't able to make that choice until God took my heart of stone and put it to a heart of flesh. Right. Right. And so it's the it's God given ability, and so God gets the credit. It's a gift of grace, but it in no way he in no way superseded my will. He just enabled me to have faith. Right. And you have right? to look at the bigger picture of what it says. When we say that we make free choices, I, I believe that all humans make free will choices, right? Mm-hmm. The clarifying factor on that is what do we mean by free, like a free will choice, right? Because what does the scripture talk right. about and define our will? It says that we're actually in bondage. Right. Well, in what sense? Spiritual bondage, right? Yeah. So the freedom that we get to choose Christ comes through that. Re- becoming unbonded. <laughs> becoming unbonded, right? That's that so, redemption. Yeah, that's redemption So is, people right? are always going to make uh, choices according to their will, right. but they're going to make those choices according to their deepest desire, right? right? Well, we don't desire Christ because it says that right. we're enemies of God, that we actually hate him in our spiritual state. Right. So we have to be careful to define yeah. our terms, and that's why um, – and some people don't, and that's why there's so much disruption in that, in that category. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So, Well, how does all this relate to submission? Well, I think one thing that's going through my mind, and I don't know, you could be going a whole different direction. No, go ahead. Is that um, we talk about first causes and second causes. And if we acknowledge that God is the first cause, you know, in creation, he, he's the first cause. We, I had nothing to do with creation. I would say the same thing as, as, it, as it comes to redemption or recreation. God is the first cause. That's what we acknowledge. I'm the second cause, right? If I have my theology correct in that sense, then a natural outcome of that should be submission as the second cause. And if I acknowledge that God is the first cause, then I, and I think that what he did in me was a good thing, and I'm responded to that, then I should want to continue to do that in submission, right? That 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 submission then is a reflection of that acknowledgement that that he is good and trustworthy and what he's doing is good. And so therefore, I if I get on board with, with what he's doing in, in relation to accepting Christ, that I should get on board with what he's doing in, in relation to how I come become conformed to his image in Christ. Right, exactly. Our life in Christ is so much more than just salvation itself, right. the, the forgiveness of sins, yeah. right? It's about the battle that goes on with the flesh that continues to remain in us, with the new spirit that God has given us. And it says that we have to even bring our own flesh in submission to the spirit. Because mm-hmm. when our spirit agrees with his spirit, then then we are children of God. Right. That's, that's really interesting, right? And we can't just say, 
Well, I've been saved, but I'm just going to follow the flesh because my spirit's one thing, but my flesh is another. We've talked about that. Right. You know, that argument doesn't fly. Um, And I think everybody recognizes that it doesn't fly. Yeah. But – and that's why I choose often to use the terminology of the old man and the new man, because in that sense, it's it's I'm talking about Matt in both cases, <laughs> or you know, like the well, that's just the that's the sin nature, and that's the, or the the flesh versus the spirit and things like that. And I'm like, eh, yeah, you know, it's all wrapped up in one little container. It works, here. But, but, but I just yeah, we're not schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, but it is, and so. What is being also shown here with John the Baptist and the Pharisees and Sadducees is that these are the most religious sect, the sect that's supposed to be believing in the one true God. And what we're seeing is actually the wickedness of their heart and their mission field, which they're supposed to be a light unto the world, right? They're the ones that are supposed to be a blessing unto the nations, because why? Because Israel was called to be a blessing yeah. to the nations, and they failed in that because they're following their sinful lives rather than the truth of God's word. And it says that the axe is being laid to the root of the tree here. Their the responsibility doesn't they don't have to worry about that anymore because it's being taken away from them. Because mm. the, the, there's going to be a new light that's under the world, and what is it? It's the light of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be made manifest through the church and the Holy Spirit. There's so many things that, to talk about. I don't want to go too far. Uh, down that path. But the idea is, again, that when we look at submitting ourselves, we just really need to go down a few other verses down to verse 13. So oops, back in second, Peter, I'm, I'm or back, first Peter I'm two. sorry, back in first Peter, right? Okay. First Peter two, 13. So why don't you take, why don't you read that uh, okay. through 16? So this is the, from the Lexham English Bible. It says, subject yourselves to every human authority for the sake of the Lord whether to a king as having supreme authority or to governors as those sent out from him for the punishment of those who do evil and the praise of those who do good. For the will of God is as follows, by doing good to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as free persons and not using your freedom as covering for evil, but as slaves of God. Honor all people, love the community of believers, fear God, honor the king. Yeah. So, I mean, we've just been coming off the heels of suffering for, for Christ. And the first chapter was actually talking about the things that we're going to go through, that this church was going through at this time, right. you know, because of this. And now we can recognize this, that submitting to the ordinance of, of man for the Lord's sake, king is supreme or governors. Um, we can get our backs up a little bit about having to submit to certain rules of our government that we don't like. Right. right? But take it to the next level these are the people that are persecuting these believers, right? So, yeah. but they're still being told to submit, yeah, right. And so this is this is interesting. Wait, we're supposed to submit to the very people our, persecuting me, exactly. So, what do you think? Right, that that's a difficult thing, and I think it's in one sense because of the times we live in now. We are, I mean, all all humans are in some senses willing to rebel, <laughs> right. Right. And some of it depends on how much power or, you know, you think you might have or or so forth and, you know, the courage of doing certain things. But in this time that Peter's writing, I mean, Rome is very dominant. And and it it's and for if you're not a citizen of Rome, you know, you have no rights. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um and and so you know, for people who do have rights as citizens in a country, when our country starts to go do something, you know, we we feel the need to bring about change to get it back the way we think it should be, which is understandable. But at but at the same time, what often happens is we we don't necessarily make it a one to one thing. Well, they're mistreating me here in this area, and I'm justified in this area, so I don't even want to obey them in the other areas that I don't like, even though. It may not. Be, I may not have a, a scriptural position on which to stand, right? So, and that becomes the thing that actually, you know, in Romans and other places uh, that, that Paul talks about is, you know, uh, obeying the authorities as long as it's not causing me to not obey Christ. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the issue here: is what the authority asking me to do in some way causing me to not disobey Christ? So, if if the government raises my taxes to seventy five percent of my income. 
I may not like it, and I could even call it unjust, but is it really causing me to deny Christ to have to pay that? Yeah, right. And, and I think in that sense, we have to say, am I being subject here? And that really, and that really became, you know, if we, if we look at even uh, the American revolutionary history, you know, at what point, and there's a lot of sermons and, and actually Christian papers written over this issue, and they, they didn't always agree. Right. You know, some said, no, we need to be subject to the king. And others are saying, well, no, he's being so unjust that we need to uh, rebel against him. So it's not, I think, in, when it comes to some of those things, then it's, how, where does the role of conscience come in, um, I think, is, a, is, a, is an interesting thing. But all along the way, I think we, we have to be able to say, the Scripture really says that we are subject to them. Right. You know, and so uh, I think it, I'm trying to say probably very clumsily, you need to have a pretty high standard when you're gonna when you're going to divert away when yeah. you're if you're not going to submit to the to what God has ordained in that sense then you need to have a very clear reason and it from Scripture that you should yeah and we run out of excuses pretty quick because our model is Christ mm-hmm. and what did He do when He was walking the earth He was a perfect model of submission to the government and yeah. those around Him right so I mean. The idea of to submit here, there's maybe a couple of different ways to use submit, but it's to allow yourself to be put under. Um, it's it's not necessarily a perfect obedience to all things because the, um, as you were already saying, uh, Christ or, or or God, His law has ultimate authority. So we don't we're we're not obligated to follow the laws of the land if they make us do something against the laws of God, right? right. And that's where. When, you know, when it says in verse 13, therefore submit yourselves, there, it explains the answer to that in verse 15. And it says, why do we submit ourselves to the government? For this is the will of God. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an effect to being obedient to the authorities when it's the will of God. And it says, why, in the continuation of verse 15, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Our our obedience, our submission to governing authorities that we don't like. Let's say, I mean, they could be doing things wrong, although maybe not morally, make you know, making us submit to. But when we acquiesce to them, it actually sounds like it has a heart change possibility for foolish men. My question is, how does this help my spiritual formation? How, how does this, uh, in some ways, since if we even go back to the beginning of 1 Peter, when he talks about these tests, you know, that these tests are trials. God, de- God doesn't tempt anyone, right? But he does put trials before us to help us grow in our faith. And so it seems to be that this is a test of some way. This is a trial in some way that some people are going to want us not, is it the implication that some are going to say, oh no, you shouldn't follow in this situation? Or why would you follow in this situation? What do you think is going on here as it relates to that? I think that's what we do. Uh, We make arguments against the position that we don't like, you know, things that (laughs) are going to interfere with our lifestyle, for example. But when, if I'm not too far strained from answering your question, we need to look always to Christ as our primary example. And part of being submissive is about being a servant. Right. And when we see, remember when Christ was talking about, you know, the head of the household, the one that sits in the chairs, who's in, who's in a higher place, right? The, the, the person that sits in the, in the chair and directs their servants or the, or, or the, or the servants themselves. And he says, well, that's, the one that's in the higher place is the one who's being served, right? He says, but I came to serve. And that's it's kind of in the same vein as him, you know, washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Yeah. Right? Because he's showing that he's being submissive, uh, not necessarily putting himself under uh, the authority of the disciples, but he's 
under the authority of the father who's called him to serve a bigger purpose in the form of a servant. And that's what we must follow, right? We, uh, what does it say? I mean, we're a kingdom of priests. That's a reality. We're not granted, um, according to these scriptures here, to act like we need to be served, right? But we are. What is the role of us? What is the role of the of the priest in the Old Testament to constant, constantly be working, right? To glorify God and to be serving the the body of believers around them. That was a pretty good circular argument, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm. Maybe I didn't complete my thought, right? But uh, what was the reason that we're called? This is what I'm saying in verse in verse 21. For to this reason you were called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. Right. That's uh, that's really, I guess. So that, well, that is the thing that, and so, are we need to be willing to do that, and we need to do it for the right reason. So even going back to like verse 15, who are those foolish people? The ignorance of the foolish people. Well, at root. I would say it's anybody who's going against the will of God is foolish. They don't fear the Lord. They don't submit to him, and so they're foolish. And so in one sense, the test for us is, are we going to give in to the peer pressure? Mm-hmm. You know, now, could the—and uh, so when he says, you know, live as free persons, not using your freedom for evil, but as slaves to God. So in, in one sense that, you know, am I just wanting to do what I want to do for my own evil purposes— Right, and I and I say, well, I'm free in Christ, and so I can, you know, do what I want to do. Uh, but he says, honor all people, love community of believers, fear God, honor the King, and so thinking not for my own selfish gain, but what? How is the honor of God, the honor of Christ, going to go before the whole community, before the whole people? Mm-hmm. Right, and so with that, so that's the mindset of this. But the question then is, is well, why would I look at things that way? And what you're saying is because that's how Christ looked at things. That's how he did this for the good of the people of God, for the community. I mean, he did this to create a people of God, you know, in his, in his willingness to go to the cross and willingness to suffer for all these things. So, so we were called to follow him. He suffered for us. He's that example. But he's not just... He's he is the example, but he is also the means. <laughs> you want to know something that's right. kind of weird. So. This is interesting. I just had this thought um, because we're on the heels of talking about suffering, and suffering is all part of this yeah. as well. But we're talking about submitting now. Yes. About I can think back. Well, I'm probably still like this to a degree. But when I was when I was a kid, uh, let's just say I was say my my dad would say, "Hey, you know." Go rake the leaves, you know. Right. And uh, no, I'm. I, I don't. I don't want. I don't feel like it. Yeah. Go rake the leaves, or you're gonna face some consequences. Well, okay. So one is to submit. I, I just go rake the leaves, which is a little bit of work. Sometimes I'm willing to suffer because sometimes I said I'm, I'm not raking the leaves. I'll face the consequences, you know. And whether that would be a little spanking or whether that's just I'm grounded. That's suffering, and all I had to do was submit. I actually chose suffering over submission. That's really, you know, so <laughs> it goes hand in hand. If we look at this, submitting to the king and these governing authorities, these are people that they hated, right? Well, let's put it in today's terms. In chapter 3, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, right? Husbands in, in, in Ephesians, love, you know, love your wives. Right. You know, there's this— Submit to one another to, out of reverence to Christ. Right, to yeah. submit to one another, well, these are some of the toughest things to do in a relationship, right? You can do it when you're in a good mood, but you know, we're talking about real life here. Sometimes it's not it's not so easy. And that submission is is hard without a spirit of Christ within us, I think sometimes, you know. No, I think so. And it, and with that is why do I not want to submit? Well, do I really believe that this is for my better betterment? Like, because I, I was the same way with my dad, you know. I remember particularly one summer, my job was to scrape all the paint off of our fence and repaint it. And I'm just like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. You know, why can't we, why do I have to scrape it off first? You know, and all, you know, all this stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't envision the, 
the end product. You know, it was just a task that he wanted me to do. I didn't see, you know, that. But I also, but I also thought, uh, in some senses, like he's just being the taskmaster. He just wants something done, and he wants me to do it. Now he's going to pay me something, but you know, but it was just like I didn't care, <laughs> yeah. right? But I also, I, as it relates to God, I think sometimes when people think about the things God wants us to do, we view God as the evil taskmaster. Not the evil, but just the, the harsh taskmaster, you know, who, who just wants, he, this is the way he wants it. And if, and if you're just telling me that, oh, you just got to submit because God's God, then I'm like, okay, now I'm putting God on par. God's just the, the guy sitting on his throne telling people what to do. But that's not the picture when we remember that we're called to this because Christ also suffered. The, the, the God who's asking us to do this is also the God who's willing to do it himself um, because he knows what's good for us. And so we have to get beyond looking at how do we, how do we view God. And I think in some ways, going back to the, the way the snake in Genesis 3 talks about God is in some ways putting that little doubt in there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, he doesn't say directly, is God really good? But he said, oh, did he really say that? Right. Right. Yeah. God's way is not best. You make your own decisions. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what we do if, we, right. if we're not being submissive. Yeah. And so how do we help one another in this growth and spiritual formation? How do we help our, one another's faith? To say, submit. I don't like that word, I guess is what I'm saying. When I think of submit, I think of, I just got to give in to the man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we could probably answer the question by continuing, you know, some more in, in First Peter here. Okay. And move all the way down to chapter 4, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to help answer our question. I think it is the answer to the question, but in verses, uh, in chapter 4, um, I guess it begins at verse one. So one and two, it says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Um, it says that it says that we're to arm ourselves with the same mind. That's the mind of Christ, which we have when we're walking in his spirit, when our spirit agrees with his spirit. But look at in verse seven, where how it continues. Uh, in verse seven, it says, but the end of all things is, is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Oh, hmm. above all things, have a fervent love for one another. Well, what are the two greatest commandments? Love God and love one another. Oh, so this is how this is how we love those around us. So, of course, with the husband-wife relationship, but that's the husband-wife relationship is just a smaller view or a smaller microcosm, if you will, or a microcosm of the covenant relationship that we're to have with God. Right. That's a marriage relationship, right? And God is showing us His love. That's why it says when. You know, wives submit to your husbands. Husband loved your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Right. Well, that's what Christ has done for us. And yet, sometimes in the old Matt, <laughs> right, says, I still don't want to submit. I know you love me, but for some reason, the old Matt still kind of. Well, right. No, I think that's it exactly where I was trying to go. Yeah. Is that um, why am I either forgetting or unwilling to see the fullness of that love? Like as it relates to my dad and the fence. Right. I I had plenty of evidence my whole life, and even in those moments, that my dad loved me and that he wanted the best for me. And that by him asking me to do this was a character-building process. It was me learning how to work hard. It was me doing a difficult task, mm-hmm. you know. And But it was in any way torture, right? Right. But yet in my mind, I wrapped it up into something of, this is, I, you know, I, I saw it as stupid in some way. Right. And that he, if, you know, uh, but it's a choice you make in that. And it, but if my mind, if I have the mind, my mind right, my mind should have been saying, 
your dad loves you. He wants the best for you. He's, he's actually doing good for you in all this. And it's the same way with God, but even more so, mm-hmm. right? Is do we believe God loves us? He's calling, he says we're to love him, but all along, do we, do we believe he really loves us? And I think at times we, and, and I, I'll just speak for myself, I question that. Not necessarily, you know, in my mind, but, but in my heart, like, does he really love me? Uh, because I'm insecure, because other people have let me down, because um, the circumstances of life right there are difficult, you know? And so I start to wonder, does God love me? So mm-hmm. how do I get my mind right in those situations when I'm, when I'm questioning God's love? Well, I think what he's saying here is preach the gospel to yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, therefore, because Christ suffered in the flesh, 4.1, equip yourselves with the, with the same way of thinking. It's, it's go back and tell us, what evidence do I have that God loves me? Well, John 3.16, mm-hmm. <laughs> the evidence of God loves me is Jesus' incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. All of that is the evidence that God loves me. Well, that's exactly how it wraps up here. I mean, yeah. read verses 12 through uh, 14, I believe it's 14. Okay. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you when it takes place to test you as if something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, rejoice so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice and be glad. If you are reviled on account of the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. By all means, do not let any one of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer as a meddler. But if someone suffers as a Christian, he must not be ashamed, but must glorify God with his name. For it is the time for the judgment to begin out of the household of God. But if it begins out from us first, what will be the outcome of those who are disobedient to the gospel of God? And if the righteousness, if the righteous are saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? So then also those who suffer according to the will of God must entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing good. Yeah, I'm glad you read that all the way through the end of the chapter. That's great. That's that's the summary. That mm-hmm. wraps that wraps it all up. I mean, it is because of what Christ has done, that we participate with him. We're partakers in his spirit, mm-hmm. right? And because of that, because we're partakers in the spirit, we're actually obligated to behave as, as such. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think in in, in that sense that, back to the to relating the submission, every time we do submit, we actually get spiritual strong, spiritually mm-hmm. stronger. You know, it's like, it's like another rep in the gym. Yeah. Of, of lifting that weight or doing that sit-up or whatever it is, that when God asks us to submit, when he puts that test in front of us and we we say, yes, Lord, whatever's your for me to do at this moment, I'll do it, we get spiritually stronger. It, it helps forms us even more. Mm. Um, but the world, and especially I would say our current American culture, is saying, no, you actually grow in character. You get stronger when you do what you want to do. When you become who you want to be, that's what we're hearing constantly in every song, in every movie. It's all that. It's don't submit to to other people's ideas of you, but find it for yourself and right. do it. Yeah, you and, don't have to suffer. You don't have to yeah. go through this. Yeah, live your uh, best life. Yeah, <laughs> you know all of those name it and claim it uh, right. prosperity gospel right. uh, things that are out there, although they speak. Truths and a lot of what they say, they are ignoring some of the important functions of how we actually grow in Christ. Right. And we'll actually find that real person in us. You know, <laughs> yeah. where the more I submit to God and discover what he wants for me, that, that new, for that new Matt, then I will really truly become all that, all that I can be. Uh, but it's all that I can be in Christ. Yeah. You know, and it's that, it's that submission to him that will actually bring the fullness of that. Uh, that, That's great. Now, just as we close here, I just want to make sure I get this on, on, on the podcast, but you're not going to ask me to paint anything for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julie does have her list of things. Well, that's for you. (laughs) You're not putting that off on me. That's funny. No, but I am putting out a public appeal. Anybody wants to help me with that. 
you'll do a better job than me. <laughs> yeah, I figure if I do a bad enough job, they won't ask me to do it a second time. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my out. But well, good. Uh, well, you know, thanks for sharing your thoughts on on this. This is uh, this is good. I I was trying to, you know, when I was looking at these passages mm-hmm. uh, last night, correlate suffering and submission, and it, it it seems they absolutely go hand in hand. I mean, right. they're they're complementary behaviors and circumstances that we go through as we glorify God in our life when we're when we're walking in His Spirit. Yeah. As as I as I keep saying, because you know when we suffer, you know, at the hands of others, don't forget that it's according to the will of God. Yeah, that 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 I was going to say that it it is. Remember that any of the suffering. Within the context of what we're talking about, it's what God's calling us to. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's not just saying walk across a uh, you know a, a street of hot coals. <laughs> yeah. You know, just because it's gonna, I want to toughen you up. You know, it, no, it's 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 always for the a reason. You know, to for His will, for His purpose, and and really, I think it I it usually comes down to is it's, it's expressing our love for God in some way. And if if we're if we're suffering with for something that's not love for God, it's probably not the right thing. And and then it's also going to probably have something to do with love for others. There's going to be a worship and witness element to that right. that, that is related. It's going to be a witness to the own body of Christ to strengthen them, but it's also going to be a witness to the world to let them see, as as we read there, you know, that that, that it'll be revealing to the, the foolishness of men. Right. So seeing, so I think it's a good, even a valuative thing to ask is, God, is what I'm ask, what you're asking me to suffer for. And what I'm willing to submit to is is in one of those two things. Is it is it, is I'm revealing my love for God and love for others. Mm-hmm. And if 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 the answer is yes, then then we need to submit and be willing to go through it, right? Yeah, that's great. All right, good. All right, well, we uh, uh, hopefully at our next our next uh, session we'll have uh, properly. Asked Pastor Winans to come and join us uh, to talk about to revisit the whole idea of the means of grace through the Word of God and, and Bible reading, and and even I just you know hopefully even just talking about his own preparation for preaching as the primary preacher of the Word of God in our congregation, how spiritual formation is, is, is so vital to his preparation of, of presenting the word to us. So yeah, hopefully we were able to have that conversation with him. Yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to it. Have a good night. Next time, we'll discuss how Bible knowledge and our time in this means of grace is valuable to our spiritual growth. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.